He is so worthy of praise and honor and glory. And welcome tonight to Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, this is our last lesson in the series, Here Comes the Bride. So you should be getting a sheet. If you haven't already gotten one, lift your hand up. It should say, The Bride Hath Made Herself Ready. That's the last lesson in the series. There are some people with their hands up. Ushers. Okay. Basically, everybody's got their hand up. Well, okay then. <laughs> we may need some ushers to go down the middle and the far side that don't have sheets. They just got here and we're handing them out. So while you're waiting for your sheet, let's do a little review. We know that everywhere God made a covenant, he gave a sign. What was the sign? He made promises. Then he gave a sign of his promise. What was the promise to Noah? He made a promise first. He said, I will never destroy the earth by water. And what was the sign? The rainbow. He made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to give you all this land. I'm going to make your seed as numerous as the stars in the heavens. Every nation in you will be blessed. And what was the sign? The proof. Circumcision. That's exactly right. So we know there were probably some other covenants. There were covenants made to David. The Lord made promises to individuals. But to the nation of Israel, he made promises. Now why did he make a special promise to David? Because David loved him. And there was a special promise to David because he loved him. Because David loved God. In fact, God said, you're after my own heart. We know David was not perfect. He made many mistakes. There was a Davidic promise and a covenant. He said, there is going to be a leader come from your line. So then we had all the Old Testament failures, wars, perversity, murder. This is what they did to each other. And the Lord said, I can't take anymore. I'm sending all of you into captivity. And out of that captivity, there were descendants from the house of David. And one little girl made the cut. After 400 years of silence, there was one little old 17-year-old girl who was counted worthy. God used Abraham's DNA through Mary. He knew what was going to happen. And all those promises that he made to Abraham were fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus was who those promises were made to. Well, Jesus was only one, yes, but he was God manifest in flesh. What kind of flesh? Abraham's DNA. So that was necessary. He had to have a human body. Then we open the New Testament. God robes himself in the flesh of Abraham's seed. He said, I am the child of promise. I'm the promise. And then he lived as a son in order to become a bridegroom. Remember we talked last week? And just as God gave gifts to Abraham, he gave Isaac as a gift. And just as any groom gives a token that you are mine and betrothed, Jesus said, 
Wait for the promise of my father. My dad has made a promise. It's your engagement ring. And what was the ring? What was the seal that tells us we are actually engaged and getting ready for a marriage? Say it again. It is the Holy Ghost. It is the engagement ring. And then he gave all these other gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists pastors and teachers to get this bride ready. Now we're ready for this new lesson. And in order to cover this material, we have to have a vocabulary lesson. I want you to look on your paper where it says introduction. And you will see some words in bold. They come from Ephesians, the fifth chapter and the 30th verse that says, We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So joined in the original Greek means to stick to, to glue, to cleave to. The Lord is going to cleave to us. Remember one of the promises he said, I will never, now Jesus said this in his flesh. You know good and well, he did exactly, he did leave us. There's no fleshly body walking around going, I am Jesus. Jesus ascended, but he sent the Holy Ghost back. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I'll pray the Father, he'll send you another comforter, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't know the truth. He said, I'm going to send you, I'm going to cleave to you. Everybody say, the Lord wants to stick to me like glue. He does. And Paul said in Ephesians, I'm not talking about a man and a woman. He said, I'm talking about Christ and the church. And that's the first image we have of Jesus bridegroom, church bride. We've got a lot of weddings going on over here. And so we should have a real clear picture into what this means. Then he said, they're going to be joined and they're going to be one. And in John 17, 11, Jesus said, I pray that these disciples of mine will be one just as my dad and I are one. Well, that sounds janky. I mean, how's that possible to compare a father-son relationship to a disciple relationship to a husband-wife relationship? Well, you have to know what one means. So look on your paper. Look, what does it say that one is? To agree. What else does it say? Union. Then it says concord or agreement. It means that you get your stories together. It means you agree about everything. Remember when Jesus said, Philip said, if you'll just show us the Father, that's all we need. And he said, have I been so long with you and you don't know me? If you have seen me, you've seen my dad. My father and I are one. What's that mean? I don't have any opinions of my own. I don't have a will of my own. I don't have an agenda. Whatever he says, goes. I am completely married to my dad's thoughts, my dad's opinions, my dad's feelings. And Jesus said, 
I want my disciples to get along with each other just like I do with my dad. He said, I want them to agree on everything. I don't want there to be any dissension, no arguing, no carrying on. Now, this is amazing. Matthew 7 and 23, where we have to know these words. Matthew 7, 23, this is amazing. You say, well, why'd you, of all the scriptures you could have pulled out of thin air, why'd you pull this one? Because this is the moment when the Lord goes, nope, you did not pass the test. But we cast out devils, not interested. But we did miracles, not interested. But we did signs and wonders, not interested. Why? Why would you be interested in the fact that we could do all of the things that you did? He said, I never knew you. Now, I'm going to be very frank with you. That word is a Jewish idiom that means complete and total physical intimacy. It's obvious that we can only take this metaphor so far. But spiritually, the Bible says, if you're joined to Christ, you are joined to the Spirit of God. And that joining means oneness. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. What does that mean? He said, I never knew you. What that means is, and I double check, it means I know you, which means you reveal yourself to me. That's what intimacy is. It's revelation. He said, you reveal yourself to me, and I reveal myself to you. And he said to all these people who did these miracles, you never did that. You never showed me what you were and who you, you never let me see the real you. You hid yourself from me. And he said, you're a worker of iniquity because you never revealed your true self. You did all these things over here, but you did not, you weren't transparent. I couldn't know you because you, you blocked me. So he said, I never knew you. You did not let me know you. You didn't know me and you didn't allow me to know you. So now let's jump because I'm going to show you where this the bride hath made herself ready comes from. This is our last lesson. So we're in the book of Revelation chapter 18. I went before so that I could set up these scriptures, okay? So it, they don't make any sense unless you, unless you see what comes before. So all right, on your paper you see judgment slash rejoicing. All right, Revelation 18:20 is the last verse of the 18th chapter and it's talking all about the great harlot. And you know that a harlot is a woman that sold herself for money. So we already know that Babylon is a commercial system where you can buy literally everything. Everything is for sale. No ethics, no morals, doesn't matter. If you want it, you can buy it. Black market, there are not enough laws to keep people from doing what Babylon offers, which is, give me enough money, I'll let you have anything you want. That spirit is here. Then, he said, that spirit of everything is for sale has corrupted the entire earth. This is the end of that. Look at verse 20. Rejoice over her. 
Now visualize complete desolation, destruction, cast down to the ground, and there comes a voice that says, rejoice. Remember we talked about being one, joining, and being in agreement? Rejoice over her. Who does he say to rejoice first? Heaven, he said, when Babylon hits the ground, when the judgment of God is pronounced, all of heaven, a voice came and said, Rejoice! Woo! Then it said, after heaven rejoices, he said, and I want someone else to rejoice. Who else is supposed to rejoice? Holy apostles. So there goes a portion of why would he tell the holy apostles? And then he says next. What's next? Prophets. These are the messengers of God to the earth that came admonishing, exhorting, and warning. We know the Old Testament and New Testament are full of murder and mayhem of the people that God sent to tell folks. Now look. He came to his own people with apostles and prophets. They were apostles and prophets to his people. And his people said, no, we don't want it. So he said, I want the heaven to rejoice. And I want my messengers, apostles and prophets to rejoice. For God has avenged you. For all the murder. For all the bloodshed. For all the people in the Old and the New Testament, apostles in the New, prophets in the Old who were murdered because they wouldn't shut up telling people, you better repent. I just want to hear something positive. And you get up and he says, stop it. Turn around and you're like, I want to go someplace where I hear you are awesome. God loves you and everything's going to be fine. And these old gnarly guys keep getting up saying the same thing. Quit the sinning. Straighten up. Get real. Turn around. And they got murdered. And God said, enough! Because the blood of all the saints and everybody that's ever died is laid at the feet of Babylon. Because all that murder happened because that system was from the beginning anti-God. I'm not listening to him. Psalms the second chapter. The heathen rage. The people imagine a vain thing. And the kings rise up against the Lord and his Christ. And they say we're not listening to you. Get rid of the ten commandments. We don't believe in God so we don't need your laws. And it started back in the beginning. The book of Genesis with Cain. It's happened all the way. But he said rejoice. So I want you to notice something. Look what happened first. Judgment. God speaks. There's a scripture that said God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if you don't see it today. What's sad about sowing is you've got a lifetime to sow your field. Your field is the years of your life. You can say my mother and dad sowed in me hatred, cruelty, indifference, whatever. I got to tell you something. You came packaged with your own little nasty when you were born. 
We were all packaged with weeds, thorn, and thistle. And the only way out of it is to let God plow into us and confront us with what we are. Nobody comes in with the gifts of the Spirit. Nobody comes in with the fruits of the Spirit. We are all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So, where does the Bible say judgment starts first? It starts at the house of God, which is why we come to church and you go, I'm going to get blistered today. Well, you can look at it either I'm going to get blistered or he's going to pull up some thorny thistles. I'm going to deal with some weeds. I'm going to get rid of this so something else can grow instead of what I was born with. All the works of the flesh works. These things, we will do these things. If you don't pull weeds, they grow. If you don't plant something good, the weeds take over. So this is the battle that we're engaged in. So judgment starts, judgment happens, and then notice immediately what is the commandment that comes after judgment is laid down. Worship. Judgment and worship. You say, well, what does this have to do with the bride making herself ready? I'm going to show you. I didn't know it either. I sure didn't. But Brother Ryan Foster came Sunday morning and said, worship is not convenient. And Sunday night he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And there is a scripture. You should probably write it down. The Lord said, call my saints that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. If it has not cost us anything to serve God, then we are not fulfilling. If any man comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's got to cost us something or we don't value it. Say, what is it costing me? Crucify your flesh because it's written, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the lust thereof. That means you do not and I do not use our past. We do not use past events to excuse us for present behavior. We cannot afford to say, you just don't know what happened to me. I'm this way because that's not what the Bible says the Bible says sin no longer has dominion over you you are not a child of wrath you are not subject to the prince and power of the air you get to choose say amen, amen. alright now here's what's amazing there's judgment the commandment is rejoice and then there's agreement look who's agreeing Heaven was told to rejoice and two kinds of human beings that did God's will. Special messengers and people that told forthtelling. He said, you people rejoice. Now, oh boy, say, well, how are we going to get ready? How is his wife going to make herself ready? Go with me now to Revelation 19 verses 1 through 3. And after these things, after what things? After I saw Babylon judged, smashed to the ground. After I saw economies fall and fail. Medicine fall and fail. Governments fall and fail. I did not go into a corner and cry and be depressed. What? It didn't say lament. Go on a 40-day fast because the governments of the earth are falling. He said they're all coming down. And he said, you know what my response is supposed to be? I'm sorry. I 
understand how you feel about this. I'm just reading what it says. He said, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. Now listen to me. I don't know enough about the timeline of Revelation to tease this out. Did he hear because the people were in heaven? Or did he hear because what they were doing on the earth ascended to heaven? He did not say, I saw millions of people in heaven. He said, I heard voices, the prayers. Where do my prayers go? Up, 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 up. Yes. He said, I heard. Now, we're, we're researching how does this bride, how does this wife make herself ready? Are you with me? I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, and what were these people saying after all this stuff happened in chapter 18? Say what they said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me hear you do that right now. Hallelujah. Say it again. Hallelujah. Do you notice how you did that all together and at one? You got in agreement. You joined. One voice. One word. One unity. Responding to one command. Hallelujah. And then what else did they say? Salvation. Glory. Honor. Power. Unto the Lord our God. He said, I heard... I heard a great voice. So it was one sound, but it was made up of thousands of people saying the same thing. Hallelujah. Salvation, glory, honor, and power to the Lord who's God. Our God. Then they say this. True and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said... So here we go. Now we're seeing some things here. We see judgment. And then what do we see next? We see worship. So we see exactly what we saw in Revelation 18 and Revelation 19. Judgment. The Lord goes, bam. And people go, hallelujah. Salvation. Power, honor, and glory to our God. And they're dancing and shouting and hollering and rejoicing. And Why? Because they're saying all this and then they tell what he did. And they agree with it. Look at verse 2. Say these words in your mouth. I want you to say them out loud. The Bible doesn't do you a bit of good if you don't read it out loud in your mouth. Say these words. For true and righteous are his judgments. Now I want to tell you something. Unless you have seen somebody judged. Now that can either mean judged for good or judged for bad. You might think twice before you agree with that. We're not talking about what the judge down at the courthouse says about a situation. We're talking about what God decrees. And these group of people got an agreement. 
I think we better think about that for a second. It's wonderful when the Lord judges mercy and grace, but there's also a scripture that says, whatever a man sows, he will... Now, God didn't do that, but he set the law in motion. He said, if you sow briars and thorns and thistles, what are you going to get? Briars and thorns and thistles. These people did not argue with what God decided about a situation. They agreed with him. They agreed. They were so aligned. Now, do you know how most couples start fighting? They do not agree on a subject. And if they're going to be successfully married, they're going to have to come to some kind of... They've got to get in agreement. I'm going to tell you something. Our culture does not accept the ultimate authority of God. And if we're not careful, we too will adopt the posture of, why did you do that? What did they do that merited that? Why would you decree this? Why do they get that and I don't get it? In other words, I don't trust your judgment. I don't trust your judgment. The only thing I can think of was Achor, where Achan took that garment and in front of all the children of Israel was called out and the day he got caught, they took him down to the valley and there is some discussion, Pastor. I don't know if they killed him and all his family. Some people say that some of the children were not killed because you don't punish the, da -da -da -da, the parents for the sins of the children, nor the children for the sins of the parents. But I read an account that says they took everything he had and killed it all and then burned their bodies to ash. Now, do you agree with that? See, we have been taught to use our own rationale my thinking cognitive mind if you can show me logically why I should accept that you'll have to convince me because that goes against my idea of justice these people in the 19th chapter said true and righteous are his judgments if he judges it it is right and I'm telling you that the end time bride of Jesus Christ who has been betrothed is not going to argue with his decrees. She is not going to wrestle with him and try to change his mind. He is not a man that she, he should repent. He's going to cleave to her. He's going to love her. He's going to supply her needs according to his riches and glory. She He's going to be convinced of his righteousness, his judgment, and his justice. And there will be no argument. You tell me how many times your kids agree with what you said when they were little. And how long you had to work to bring them into agreement.
and how many times people sit down to make a decision and have to argue the point. There's no room for that here. There's just true and righteous because you judged, and then they explain, you judged the great whore, corrupted the earth, not just a city, not just a town, but the whole earth, and full of blood. God, you did the right thing. Hallelujah. Then they end with hallelujah again. Now let's keep going. Verse 4. And guess what happened? Nobody commanded it. It just happened. The 24 elders and the four beasts did what? When they heard hallelujah, what they do? They fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne. And you know what amen means? It is so. So be it. They hollered when this great voice of all these people got in unity, in harmony, in concert with the word of God. No arguing, agreeing and said, that's it. That's awesome. The 24 elders hit their knees and the four beasts fell down. One event triggered another. And they said, amen, we're with you. And hallelujah. Now, verse 5. Oh boy. And I heard, alright, so now Babylon's been destroyed. The great harlot. And then there comes a voice saying, you did right. And then the elders hit their knees and the four beasts. And now here comes a voice from the throne. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, small and great. So there came out of the throne, not the pulpit, not the keyboard, there came from the throne a word that said, Praise the Lord! Wow, there was a command said, Praise him! And then, verse 6, what happened when the throne said praise? I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings saying what? Hallelujah! Hallelujah. I didn't see that the Lord put his foot on Satan. I didn't see that he was cast to the ground. Not in this chapter. He said a voice came out and said, Praise the Lord! And suddenly, from all over, there was the sound of thousands and millions of voices saying, Hallelujah! 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 The Lord reigns. I'm telling you, for the first time in my life, there is global agreement. There is a pandemic, and we need to stop it. And the first time in my life, the church is starting to say, Even so, come Lord Jesus. What's happening? There is a call to praise. There is a call to worship. There is a call to say, Even so, Lord. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. If that means no rain, hallelujah. If it means the kingdoms of the world fall, hallelujah. What are you saying? It is time for his wife to say, I agree with him. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah.
carrying him. I don't care what mama thinks. I don't care what daddy thinks. I don't care what the culture thinks. I am cleaving to the one who's clinging to me. And there's not going to be any argument. Oh, lift your hands right now. What you won't find is silence. No, that's not there. Every time something happens, there's a yell and the church is going, do it, do it. You get up and do it. What's going to happen to us? That's not even a consideration here. It's God's gotten up and he's doing some things and the church is saying, we agree with you. We agree. Do you agree? God is a God of mercy. Not when it comes to judgment. No. There has to be an end, folks, of the killing and the murdering and the mayhem. There, and somebody's going to be saying, go, Jesus. Hallelujah. Not cursing people. Not saying, ha, ha, ha. Their aim is, God, you're awesome. You reign. You're sovereign. Corona doesn't reign. Kings don't reign. Governors don't reign. Mayors don't reign. That's why we're not cussing them and fussing with them. Because they're not in control. Hallelujah. Our God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and he reigns somewhere up in the heaven. John heard the voice of people getting in agreement. I want my voice to be one of those. After the voice of mighty thunderings hollered, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, all of a sudden they whip around. Something happened. We all got in unity. Oh, no. What's that mean? Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him because now we know what's fixing to happen. Why? Because we're focused on him now. Not my job, not coronavirus. I'm not, fo I'm focused on him. I'm going to tell you something. I know that Jessica dealt, she and Carter, I'm sorry to have to use them, Sister Elaine, but we're talking about getting married. I know that she worked herself up right until the day of and then you know what happened when she put that dress on done somebody else's problem now I'm the bride I'm not going to be carrying tables I'm not decorating I'm not doing any of that stuff I am going to marry Carter Hall in just a few hours. I've got to stay beautiful. My hair's got to be combed just right. And, and I'm going to keep a smile on my face and nothing's going to keep me. Yeah, but did you see that mess in there? Not my problem. But did you see this? But that's not my problem. Why? Because I'm with him. And how do you know? Because I know him and he knows me. I didn't get married so I could walk down an aisle or decorate a church or bake a cake or make cookies. I didn't get married so that I could have a receiving line and give gifts to people. I'm getting married because I fell in love and finally there will be no distance between us because finally it's going to be legal and consummated and forever. And this scripture said as soon as people of multitudes started saying, Hallelujah, go Jesus, you're awesome. Do what you've got to do in the middle of coronavirus. Go Jesus. Jesus, I'm wearing a mask, but nothing will separate me from your love. I'll stop your praise. I'll put a mask on your mouth. I'll shut your mouth. I'll make you sick. Hallelujah. But there's a vow that says for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. How can you say that? 
hands right now. And then it said, give honor. What happened between six and seven that suddenly these people pronounced, it's happened? I'm going to tell you, they got an agreement. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that all that's necessary. This bride said, if you said it's necessary, it's necessary. No argument. If you said that's how you want it, that's how you want it. Say, but I, are you telling me I can't reason? No, I'm telling you that by now you should have already reasoned. He's already done enough for us that we can trust his judgments are true. He acts out of love and justice, not out of fear and fanaticism and hatred. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands, Lord. We must get in agreement with you, whatever you want to do. We must agree with you and your judgments. All right, so suddenly they whip around and go, Woo, let's be glad and rejoice. Judgments going on. Kingdoms are falling. Things are falling apart. And the church is over there. I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible. What are you doing? He said, rejoice. I heard the commandment from heaven. Rejoice. Why are you doing that? Because I love him. I'm in agreement with him. If now's the time to rejoice, then I'm going to do what he said. He said, it's time to rejoice. He said, it's time to eat the fat and drink the sweet. And don't be sorry because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why we've turned on the music. And when the enemy comes in, like a flood instead of falling down in a puddle we dance a puddle be glad and rejoice give honor explanation the marriage has come why she's in agreement with him no more arguing no more is that really necessary do I have to does that sound like a wife that sounds like a child do I really have to? I can tell you're not ready to be married if that's your attitude about one of uh, I hate doing it, but that's what he likes. I hate that. It's not my favorite thing. I don't really like it, but I'm going to do it. No, he said, the moment of union has come because when the judgment fell, there was a response of worship and agreement. And then, verse 7, the marriage of the Lamb is coming, his wife has made herself ready. And I looked at what that meant, and oh well, to make necessary preparations, get everything ready, metaphorically. Drawn from the oriental custom of sending on before kings on their journeys, persons to level the roads and make them passable. He said, whatever you got to do to get yourself ready, that's what you do. To give God access, immediate access to you. When you start unplugging, turning off, tuning in, singing, praying, praising, you're going to accelerate the marriage of the Lamb. Here comes the bride. Say, well, how will we all do that? Well, I'll submit to you that the pressure is going to keep mounting until we make a choice to step over it and just keep worshiping. I don't care. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Because he loves me. Because this is wonderful. But aren't you worried about it? Aren't you depressed? Aren't you? Nope. Why? Getting married. Sorry. Don't want to hear it. I'm not answering my phone. I'm busy. I'm occupied. Now, I want you to look. Luke 12, 47. This is a servant. And this is what happened to a servant that didn't make ready. These are the people that you ask to do your bidding and you pay them. 
And Jesus said, if all you've done is what you were told to do, then you are not profitable. You're a servant. This servant and that servant who knew his Lord's will prepared not himself. Neither did according to his will. He said he's going to get a beating. So we submit to judgment. We respond with worship, submission, and agreement until we come to oneness, which is, Lord, I'm with you. I'm going to change my mind until I get with you. I am going to keep listening to your word, reading it, and obeying it until I agree without argument, till I respond to you. Not promises, not manipulation. Not, Lord, I'm going to get with you. There was a woman in Texas. I love her. I can't remember her name right now, but we were at Texas Women's Conference, there must have been three to 5,000 women there and someone was getting up and getting ready to get a testimony. And she said, just a minute, let me get with you. And she grabbed about five Kleenex. She was just getting ready to cry. She knew that woman was gonna start crying. She said, I'm gonna get with you, I'm gonna cry with you. He said, get with it, get with them, get with them. What are you doing? Get in unity, get in agreement. Now, Matthew 26, 17 and 19, the disciples had to make Passover ready. And what did they do? Let's see if the pattern holds. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where do you want us? You call the shot, Jesus. Tell us what you want. Where do you want us to prepare to eat the Passover? Verse 19, he told them, and look what 19 says. And the disciples did as Jesus appointed them. And they made ready the Passover. He gave the commandment. They carried it out. The last scripture right here. Paul talked to Timothy and said, If a man purge himself from these. He's talking about vessels of dishonor. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. And what is that word? Prepared unto every good work. Prepared for the Lord means purged, means getting things out of your life, saying, God doesn't agree with that. I, if I'm going to agree with him, I got to get rid of this. Sanctified. I've been set apart. I don't get to do what everybody else does. I'm getting married. Worthy. I have cleansed myself. I've done everything I know to do in preparation. And I just put some scriptures down there for your edification. So how does she prepare herself? Paul gave us all kinds of scriptures. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He said run. And then not only that, but Jesus himself in Luke, Matthew, Mark, and I put them in order of importance. And then finally Peter did the same thing. He said watch and pray. Now, I want to tell you something. Under made herself ready, I put applying what you know. At some point, the voice of apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers will cease. And we're going to have to do what we know to do. Without someone coming around, that's going to be the moment. Say, well, how close are we? Pastor and I have been keeping in touch with people across the world. And you know what they're all doing when we talk to them? Praise the Lord. God is good. He's good. And everybody's going through something right now. What are you doing? Let me get with you. But, but what if... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. I want to see a great big revival before he comes. I'm sorry. I'm like, Lord, whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to see... Da, 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 Lord, not my will. Thine be done. Why would you do that? Because I'm getting with him. 
I'm in agreement with him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we are at an absolutely seminal moment in the history of your church and in this hour. We're all a little bit dazed, Jesus. Nobody saw coronavirus coming. We knew there would be plagues and epidemics and pandemics. The Bible records all these things were going to take place, but the end is not yet. I don't know which end that scripture referred to. But I know that though we cannot pinpoint your return, we are looking for it. We have seen horrible things that show us that the world was, is without a moral compass and it has never had one. And God, whatever your judgments are, they're right. I want to echo what John saw and heard in heaven. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power to our God. I want my mind, my opinions, my thoughts, my feelings to be rooted in your opinion, your thought, your feelings. I want to adapt to you while you cling to me. I don't want to be hard-headed, stubborn, which means having a dogged determination to refuse to change your thought or idea or opinion about something, no matter how reasonable the argument is against it. I do not want to be unyielding when I hear what you say about this and that. I want to say, Amen. So be it. Put your hand on your heart right now. Search me, Lord. We want to hasten the day. We don't want to drag it out. We want to hasten your return. We don't want to retard it. We don't want to slow it. We want to hasten the coming of the Lord Jesus because we love you and we are looking for your return. We are more interested in seeing you. We feel your fiery passion and love. And when you say, praise! May we rise as one people all over in agreement. If the Lord said praise, now is the time to praise. It doesn't matter what we feel. The commandment has come forward. Salvation and honor and glory and strength to our God. I'm going to get with it. Hallelujah. I want you to lift your hands right now and let's magnify the Lord. That means make Him bigger than what you feel. Make Him bigger than you're tired. Make Him bigger than your trial. Make Him bigger than your disappointment.